satisfactorily descriptive, in which I seemed to see that bedroom passing through my room like a picture impossibly painted on a running river. Though almost instantaneous in its passing, it was perfectly clear, so clear that I distinctly, and with a sense of relief, observed the absence of the dead body from the bed. It was in no romantic place that I had this curious sensation, but in chambers in Piccadilly, very near to the corner of St. James Street. It was entirely new to me. I was in my easy chair at the moment, and the sensation was accompanied with a peculiar shiver which started the chair from its position. But it is to be noted that the chair ran easily on casters. I went to one of the windows, there are two in the room, and the room is on the second floor, to refresh my eyes with the moving objects down in Piccadilly. It was a bright autumn morning, and the street was sparkling and cheerful. The wind was high. As I looked out, it brought down from the park a quantity of fallen leaves, which a gust took and whirled into a spiral pillar. As the pillar fell and the leaves dispersed, I saw two men on the opposite side of the way, going from west to east. They were one behind the other. The foremost man often looked back over his shoulder. The second man followed him at a distance of some thirty paces, with his right hand menacingly raised. First, the singularity and steadiness of this threatening gesture in so public a thoroughfare attracted my attention. And next, the more remarkable circumstance that nobody heeded it, both men threaded their way among the other passengers with a smoothness hardly consistent even with the action of walking on a pavement, and no single creature that I could see gave them place, touched them, or looked after them. In passing before my windows, they both stared up at me. I saw their two faces very distinctly, and I knew that I could recognize them anywhere. Not that I had consciously noticed anything very remarkable in either face, except that the man who went first had an unusually lowering appearance, and the face of the man who followed him was of a color of impure wax. I am a bachelor, and my valet and his wife constitute my whole establishment. My occupation is in a certain branch bank, and I wish that my duties as head of the department were as light as they are popularly supposed to be. They kept me in town that autumn when I stood in need of a change. I was not ill, but I was not well. My reader is to make the most that can be reasonably made of my feeling jaded, having a depressing sense upon me of a monotonous life, being slightly deceptic. I am assured by my renowned doctor that my real state of health at that time justifies no stronger description, and I quote his own from his written answer to my request for it. As the circumstances of the murder gradually unraveling took stronger and stronger possession of the public mind, I kept them away from mine by knowing as little about them as possible in the midst of the universal excitement. But I knew that a verdict of willful murder had been found against the suspected murderer and that he had been committed to Newgate for trial. I also knew that his trial had been postponed over one sessions of the Central Criminal Court on the ground of general prejudice and want of time for the preparation of the defense. I may further have known, but I believe I did not, when or about when, 
the sessions to which his trial stood postponed would come on. My sitting room, bedroom, and dressing room are all on one floor. With the last, there is no communication but through the bedroom. True, there is a door in it once communicating with the staircase, but a part of the fitting of my bath has been, and had been for some years, fixed across it. At the same period, and as a part of the same arrangement, the door had been nailed up and canvassed over. I was standing in my bedroom late one night, giving some directions to my servant before he went to bed. My face was towards the only available door of communication with the dressing room, and it was closed. My servant's back was towards that door. While I was speaking to him, I saw it open, and a man look in, who was very earnestly and mysteriously beckoning to me. That man was the man who had gone second of the two along Piccadilly, and whose